the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So I feel like Jesse Smollett leaving the courtroom. Uh, if something happens to me, I was not suicidal. The reason I say that is there's like in the last 10 seconds, you may have heard it during my uh, advocacy for the Stand with Israel tour, there was like this strange beeping going on. That happened yesterday or two days ago when Alan Rogers was on the board. And all of a sudden, kerblooey, my computer went out. So, Jeff, if I like spontaneously combust over here, uh, you'll know that at least start the investigation with whatever triggered yesterday's blow up of the computer. But until I am spontaneously combusted, I will soldier on. And we will turn our attention in this segment of the Bruce Hooley Show to culture and to a couple movies that I'm going to bet most of you have seen. Uh, number one, Snow White. If you've got kids, you've certainly seen Snow White. And The Blind Side. Now, The Blind Side, not as many people have seen as Snow White, but a lot of people saw The Blind Side. Uh, Sandra Bullock won an Oscar for Best Actress in the movie The Blind Side, which I'm going to guess happened like, what, around 2000, maybe? 2001, 2002, somewhere in there. Uh, Let's start with Snow White. Uh, Disney bleeding money because of their woke LGBTQ agenda has uh, decided that the best way to make an easy buck is to remake everything that made an easy buck the first time. Only when they remake it, now we have to remake, uh, for instance, The Little Mermaid. We had to remake that with uh, Halle Berry as The Mermaid. So we get the African-American box checked. And since it is patriarchal, for the uh, guy to save the mermaid, we now have to remake The Little Mermaid so the mermaid saves the guy. Okay. In that same vein, we are, in March of 2024, going to be treated to a remake of Snow White. Only this time, uh, Snow White uh, will not be white. <laughs> Snow White will be half Colombian and half Polish. And uh, Snow White will be played by an actress named Rachel Zegler. Now, Rachel Zegler, a pretty successful actress, you would think would be doing everything she can to promote a movie that's coming out in, what, seven months? Build an audience for her movie. A lot of people show up to Snow White. Rachel Zegler going to make more money. Rachel Zegler makes more money. Rachel Zegler gets bigger roles in other movies going forward. That would be the typical strategy for an actress. And maybe Rachel Zegler thought she was promoting the movie when she's done a series of interviews in which she said (laughs) some things that, well, don't really appeal to people who fell in love with the original Snow White, which was made in 1937. Uh, She has said that her movie will, of course, introduce a modern edge to the original Snow White. And then people say, what do you mean a modern edge? 
And she could say, well, you know, we just deemed that Snow White didn't have to be white. And we deemed that the dwarfs didn't have to be dwarfs. They could be like regular sized dudes with all different, you know, ethnicities and races. But no, Rachel Zegler couldn't stop there. She said, I mean, it's no longer 1937. Snow White is not going to be saved by the prince. And she's not going to be dreaming about true love. She's dreaming about becoming the leader she knows she can be. And the leader that her late father told her that she could be if she was fearless, fair, brave, and true. It's really just an incredible story for young people everywhere to see themselves in. Really? The story of a person who wanders around in the woods and hangs out with dwarfs? With seven random dudes? Is a story everyone can see themselves in? I don't really think it applies, Rachel. Then or now, you get lost in the fantasy, and then it applies because you, what, suspend reality, which is people, which is why people go to movies to get away from their regular lives. But, of course, in other interviews, uh, Rachel Zegler said that the movie is, the original movie, was a little weird because it was, and I quote, a love story with a guy who literally stalks her. Okay, and that this version of Snow White will be an inner journey to find her true self. Well, uh, as you might imagine, uh, this did not go over well with traditional fans of Snow White, who responded angrily on social media to Rachel Zegler's take, which, of course, prompted Rachel Zegler to go on social media herself and let us all know... uh, way too much about what's inside her head. Theo is going to get taken out of context. And I know that at this point, I can't really stop people from doing that because that's what my whole existence on the internet is, is just me being taken out of context and stuff. Uh, It's fine. That's what I signed up for, isn't it? Um, But I never want it to come off as me being ungrateful for the opportunities I have when I say that this has been the biggest adjustment of my life. Like understanding the way my life operates now, being who I am, and the things that I've been so fortunate to make. It comes with so much ground. So much ground that I never thought I would be able to cover and that people think I'm doing poorly and other people think I'm doing gracefully, and I don't think I'm doing it at all. <laughs> so when I tell you tears coming that it's hard, <laughs> I just mean to be inside my brain. <laughs> That's hard. Oh yeah, it's all hard. And I'm there 24 seven. I can't. Oh. I can't get out of it. Oh, none and, of us can. And I. I don't know if that will make sense, but that's where I'm at. I'm so grateful for the things that I'm able to do. Oh, you and sound- a lot of what I'm able to do is because of you guys. And I'm. So unbelievably thankful for that. At the end of the day, I look at this trip and think if somewhere like that can exist, and so can my tiny pink bedroom from New Jersey, I can also be having the greatest time and simultaneously wishing people would stop sending me death threats. And maybe that's a weird takeaway for this video. This is a life. This is real. It's filled with a lot of beautiful moments and beautiful people. I have a loving family, Mm. an incredible boyfriend that I love so much, beautiful friends and family, people that I miss. It's It's a privilege to miss people the way that I do. But it's hard. And it's lonely. It's very lonely. I just know that if that loneliness can exist, so can other things. And I will be okay. Maybe that's a weird takeaway. Maybe. Um, 
wow. There's a lot there. There's some really good stuff there where she talks about her family and people who love her and all that. There's some really innocent stuff there. For a hot second, did she fantasize about going back to a simpler time where she seemed to enjoy her, quote, tiny pink bedroom from New Jersey? Did she hold that in contempt? I don't think so. She was hearkening back to her childhood. But this is what fame does to people. Um, This is the uh, biggest adjustment of my life, she said. She's 22. Now, I mean, it could be the biggest adjustment of her life because, you know, your life is however long your life is. She's 22, ladies and gentlemen. She thinks she's got life all figured out, except that her brain is not fully developed for three more years. If there was ever a thought that came to me during that roller coaster ride of wokeness, arm wrestling with a simpler Rachel Ziegler or whatever her real name was back when she had a tiny pink bedroom in New Jersey, it is the crying need for her to base her life on something more than other people's approval. I mean, it's just so sad to me that there's restoration, redemption, forgiveness, peace out there through an authentic faith in Jesus Christ, and she is so immersed in her own self-absorption that she can't get out of her own way. The more she talks, the less sense she makes. Now, she's not the only one trapped in this uh, bubble of self-absorption. I mentioned The Blind Side, the movie that tells the story of a young black man by the name of Michael Orr who was taken in by a white family in Mississippi. And it was a great story. It was a story that, as I said, captured the attention of America. But, of course, now it's not a popular tale to tell that any white family could come to the age of a black, uh, aid of a black teenager. And Michael Ower seems conflicted over it, too. We'll explain next. So I was a little off. The blind side of the movie was uh, sometime around like 2010-ish because Michael Orr played uh, college football in around 2005. Uh, he's a kid who was uh, down on his luck, no family, drug-addicted mom, no dad in the picture, was taken in by a very wealthy family in Tennessee, not Mississippi. He went to play college football at Mississippi because the family that took him in, uh, Leanne and Sean Tui, were graduates of the University of Mississippi. Now, if you watch the movie, you know that at some point in the movie, the NCAA came in before you could like give a quarterback a $250,000 car and it'd be legal. The NCAA came in and thought that the Tuies living in Tennessee were steering Michael Orr to Mississippi, their alma mater, in violation of NCAA rules. So in order to authenticate the fact that they had taken Michael Orr in and tried to adopt him but couldn't because he was 18 years old, he was an adult, so they went through the legal steps of making him part of what's called a conservatorship. Now, you might have heard that in relation to Britney Spears. Remember Britney Spears fighting with her dad over her dad having authority over her finances because he deemed Britney Spears not to be, like, mentally capable enough, sharp enough 
analytical enough to handle her own finances, so she signed a conservatorship with her father. Michael Orr signed the same thing with the Tuies. So Michael Orr goes to the NFL, first-round draft pick, signs a $13 million contract, then he signs a $20 million contract, then he signs a $7 million contract. Now he lives in a million-dollar mansion in Tennessee. And now he's suing the Tuies for $15 million. Because he says, oh, I just found out in February that I wasn't really adopted by them. That I was part of a conservatorship. And I think they're evil people who are stealing my money. They made a lot of money off the movie, and I didn't make any money off the movie. They made a lot of money off the book, and I didn't make any money off the book. Now, let me say that I find this completely implausible and exceedingly greedy. When you negotiate an NFL contract... I presume you use an attorney to do it. And I would presume that if your attorney has any acumen at all, he would have discovered, if you didn't already know, that you have a conservatorship, which would impact what? Your finances. So to think that Michael Orr signed three or four NFL contracts with legal representation and that none of his lawyers ever said to him, you know you have this financial conservatorship with the Tuies, is preposterous. Preposterous. Idiotic. Not possible. Now, you should know that the Tuies are very, very wealthy. Sean Tui, if you watch the movie, had a series of Taco Bell restaurants, which he, since the movie, has sold for $200 million. So, gee... Why would somebody want to sue a family that's worth hundreds of millions of dollars when he's only worth, apparently, a couple million dollars? Greed, that's why. Greed, and perhaps because, and he's always said he didn't really like how the movie portrayed him. Wait, hold on a second. You mean that a movie, a movie, not a documentary, a movie, dramatized Michael Orr's life, exaggerated the fact that he couldn't put one foot in front of the other when the Tuies met him, that actually in real life he was a pretty good athlete, he just still had a drug-addled mom and dad, and no place to sleep at night until the Tuies took him in? You mean that they dramatized that for, for impact on the screen? Man, I can't believe Hollywood did that. Give me a break. This is the latest demonstration of what we talk all the time about here, which is the different defining characteristics of our culture, which are characteristics of comparison and envy. Comparison and envy. We are in a country that is ceasing to recognize its potential and not living up to the nation we were stewarded to protect by our parents and grandparents who had decidedly different characteristics that defined their lives, which is why they were able to weather the Great Depression and win World War II. And the defining characteristics of their era were gratitude and service. Gratitude and service. If we don't get back to attitudes in this country, biblical values like gratitude and service, instead of demonic, selfish attitudes like comparison and envy, then the country that we have, the country that we love, will never again be 
the country that we love. We're not that country now. Look at our president taking millions of dollars with his drug-addled son. Do you think they live life according to gratitude and service? Do you think they live life according to comparison and envy? The answer is, of course, self-evident. Now, I did see something today that cheered me up. There's a video circulating online one week after the original video circulated online of Virginia folk singer Oliver Anthony and his anthem, Rich Men North of Richmond, began to dominate on the iTunes charts. There's a video circulating now online. You can find it easily. Just Google reaction to Oliver Anthony's song, reaction to Rich Men North of Richmond, and you will see a video that is a little more than three minutes long of bloggers, podcasters, radio hosts, and others around the nation reacting to the music and words of Oliver Anthony's Rich Men North of Richmond. You will see white people, black people, Asian people, overweight people, very fit people. You will see people of all walks of life touched to the point of tears by the powerful words of Oliver Anthony's Rich Men North of Richmond, in which he laments an America where we are taxed too much and where we are taken advantage of by powerful elites who choose to advantage themselves. Because why? Because they live life according to the values of comparison and envy, not because they live life according to the values of gratitude and service. And then I happened upon, which I thought was pretty much self-evident to everyone, until I happened upon this column from National Review. Now, I have a love-hate relationship with National Review. They are never Trumpers, which, that's fine. You're entitled to have your own political opinions. Some of the people at National Review I love, Charles C.W. Cook, even though I find the fact that he uses two initials a bit pretentious, but he's an Englishman, so what do you expect? And I'm captivated by his accent and by his opinions. But there are other people at National Review who are exceedingly unlikable. Noah Rothman being one. Well, this editorial is by Mark Antonio Wright, who posits that Oliver Anthony's song, Rich Men North of Richmond, is a lament that we should not share in our country. That America is a place where... And I quote, if you're a fit, able-bodied man and you're working overtime hours for bad pay, you need to find a new job. There's plenty of them out there, he writes. Jobs that don't require a college degree, that offer good pay and great benefits. If you're willing to get your hands dirty by doing things like joining the Navy, turning wrenches, fixing pumps, this is a ludicrous point. For people of a certain age, you can do that. For people in your 50s and 60s, you cannot. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.